The Lord is in this place. God is here. Who's glad to be in church today? I want to welcome all the Liberty family at Hampton and Harborview and Greenbrier at York River and Smithville and Gloucester. Those in the chapel, those joining us online, wherever you're joining us from, to our military community, thank you for your service. Thank you for connecting with online. How blessed we are to have the technology that we have today. And uh, I want to say a word of welcome to the men and women in the correctional facilities around Hampton Roads and Richmond. I want you to know you're not a project to us, your family. I have prayed for you. I've prayed for everybody that I have just mentioned early this morning. God got me up at 4 a.m. I am ready to preach. Come on. And so everybody, every campus, put your hands together. Make welcome all of our guests. Let me remind you that we are two Sundays away from Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And I want you to get invite cards on your way out today. Uh, Tammy and I have been reloading, reloading, I mean, all through the week. I, I run out of cards. I got to come get some more. And I want you to do the same and uh, get the word out everywhere you go. Be inviting people to Easter weekend. And remember, it starts on Friday night. And so for our church family, the church family, if you heard that, say amen. It's for believers. We're going to have a special service on Good Friday, coming to the Lord's table and taking communion. And it is the one service that's different from any other service, including Easter Sunday, different from every other Sunday. And that is when we think about the suffering of Christ at our behalf. So I want you, church family, make it a priority. Get to one of our campuses on Good Friday. You do not want to miss it. Who wants to hear God's story before we start? You know, I've been sharing with you stories about how God's at work. Just in three Sundays, we saw 302 people baptized. And this continued throughout the week of the Sundays following. Uh, we had people, two ladies from Pennsylvania that came in and they were baptized. Then we had... Somebody from uh, California that flew in, watching us online, they flew in to be baptized. And uh, I want you to know it continues. Well, after the service, I had told last Sunday about a lady who visited her family for three weeks. She's from Chile. She spoke no English, uh, but said that God spoke to her as, as I was preaching. She could understand. And that she wanted to trust Jesus, take Jesus back to Chile. And uh, she got baptized. And as I was telling that story last Sunday, uh, a young man in the military, member of our church, waited for me and he said, I need to speak to you privately. He said, on the Sunday that that lady from Chile was baptized, I was on the Andes Mountains overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And it was just like you described it. A Chile means where the land ends. And he said, I was looking at the beauty of it. He said, I start every day. When I get up in the military, I start every day, 20 minutes, I just spend in prayer. And he said, I was looking from the mountains over the Pacific Ocean, and I said, God, you are awesome. And what uh, an awesome God we serve. And Lord, it's a beautiful country here in Chile, but these people need Jesus. And I'm praying you'll send somebody to tell them about Jesus. He said at that, I'm getting cold chills, glory bumps right now. He said, at that very moment, you were baptizing a lady born and raised in Chile who spoke the language, who left liberty saying, I'm going back to take Jesus to Chile. Come on, somebody, put your hands together and praise God. And then, the story doesn't end there. I got home, got an email from one of our members at Harborview who works for CBN and Operation Blessing. And he said, last Sunday, you spoke about two things. You talked about the 
five churches, the letters to the churches in Revelation, and where it is today in Turkey. And you talked about uh, this lady from Chile. And he uh, said, I just want you to know that since the earthquake recently in Turkey, Operation Blessing's been on the ground ministering to the people spiritually and physically. And the director over that entire project is from the country of Chile. He said, I, literally, you're right. We are going to the ends of the earth, taking it right back to where it all began at Antioch. And uh, so it's just neat to see how God works. I'm just telling you, there's a lot bigger picture and story than what we see every week. And God is going to take a familiar story today in 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17 is the story of David and Goliath. And I want you to see here as we continue our stone series now through Easter Sunday. Uh, today, I've called this message Five Smooth Stones. And any preacher that's ever preached for any amount of time has preached on David and Goliath at some point in time. But I want you to know God gave me a brand new message. And I've never preached this one. I can't wait to hear me preach it. I, I'm praying God gets on it. Amen? And I want you to know... <laughs> that I've got a fresh word, and I love it when God's doing something in me. And I told you, I got up at 4 a.m., and even as I was getting out of the shower and getting, getting ready to come, he showed me something else in the text. And I, I, I can't wait to share with you what God's put in my heart, but I want to pray because we need him. Father, I come in Jesus' name thanking you for the worship for your presence, for the presence of all of these who are joining us and a part of this worship experience. Now, I pray, God, you'll speak because we need to hear your voice. And I thank you for your word. I pray the Holy Spirit will make it personal to every person. And I pray when we get to the invitation, we'll all know how to respond. And God, we all have giants in our lives. And I just pray that today you'll give us victory over the giants. Through Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, I want you to look here, pick up this story in 1 Samuel 17, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. The Philistines were standing on a hill, and the Israelites were standing on another hill with a ravine in between. Then a champion named Goliath from Gath. He came out from the Philistine camp. He was nine feet, nine inches tall. Don't you know the NBA would love to get him? March Madness, you know. He wore a bronze helmet and bronze scale armor that weighed 125 pounds. There was a bronze armor on his shins and a bronze javelin was slung between his shoulders. His spear staff was like a weaver's beam and, and let me just point out to you that uh, commentators say that that weaver's beam literally means that, it, that when, he, when he would throw that uh, javelin, it would spin and it would increase in distance and accuracy by doing so. The iron point, just the point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. And in addition, this shield bearer was walking in front of him. Now, don't forget the shield bearer. I want to know what happened to him at the end, all right? Listen, the story of David and Goliath is one of the most familiar stories in the Bible. But the problem with the story being familiar is a lot of times, listen, you'll stop looking for new truths. And you'll forget 
old truths that God has taught you in the past. 40% of the Old Testament is narrative. In other words, it's, it's storytelling. Jesus was a storyteller. He told parables to communicate truth. And so how are we to interpret the Old Testament? How are we today to interpret the story of David and Goliath? 1 Corinthians 10 tells us how. Now, these things took place as examples for, everybody say that word, us. Verse 11, these things happened to them as examples, and they're written for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages have come. And so I want you to hear the story of David and Goliath, which is really a little story about a bigger story about Jesus and Satan. And I want you to hear it like you're hearing it for the very first time. I want it to be fresh. I want God to give you something new from this story. Now, David chose five stones to kill one giant. Five stones, five smooth stones to kill one giant. What do these stones mean? Why did he choose five? Somebody said because he thought that Goliath had four brothers. Somebody else said they thought that uh, Goliath had three brothers and one ugly mama and he was going to fight them all. I don't know. But anyway, I can tell you the number five we learned in the book of Revelation means completion or completeness. And I believe that five stones tells us that God was going to give David complete victory. And that's what I want you to get across uh, in your own life today. Whatever the giant is that you're facing in your life, God can give you complete victory through Jesus. And so today, I want you to think about five stones and five conversations that David had in this passage. Are you ready? Here we go. David had a conversation with Jesse. Write that down. The first one, David had a conversation with Jesse. One day, Jesse had told his son David, so this is his father, take this half bushel of roasted grain along with these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. And so when you go to a restaurant that brings you a loaf of bread and you eat about 10 of them, it's biblical. It's right here in the Bible, all right? Listen, also take 10 portions of cheese. Now, my favorite food in the world is cheese dip. And one cheese is good, three cheese dip is better. And I'm looking for the 10 cheese dip, all right? 10 portions of cheese to the field commander. Check on the well-being of your brothers and bring a confirmation from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistine. Now, he got two out of three right. Get it? He was, the brothers are with Saul, and they were with the army, but they were not fighting the Philistines. I want you to see here that his dad gave him an assignment. I want you to take your brothers a happy meal. It was a Hebrew happy meal, all right? And so... Uh, we, we see here that they would line up every day in battle formation, but they did not fight. For 40 days, morning and evening, uh, it says, this took place. Now, it'd be like today, 100,000 people meeting in a football stadium to watch two teams compete, but the two teams would just huddle and get in formation but never run a play, never pass the ball, never have any physical 
uh, contact whatsoever. And before we're too hard on the army for just lining up and huddling but never fighting, how often do we do the same thing today? How many Christians huddle on Sunday to not fight on Monday? How many, y'all not listening. How many times do we huddle on Sunday and act like we're going to go out there and win the victory, but you're not reading your Bible, you're not praying, you're not using your weapons, you're not telling anybody about Jesus, you're not inviting people to Easter Sunday. I mean, it's just like you huddle on Sunday, but then you never do anything more. And that's exactly what the army was doing here. I'm telling you, we're not David in this story. Don't read the Bible like you're the hero. Uh, We're not the hero. We're more like Saul. Too often we're more like the army of Israel. We're more like the brothers of David, and we are filled with fear. Now, David's father, Jesse, sent him out to check on his brothers. But God, everybody say God. Come on, every campus say God. God had a greater purpose. His father sent him on an assignment, but God's about to give him a greater assignment. And so I ask you to please consider for just one moment that God has you where you are at that job, at that store, at that business, at that company, in that school, on that team for a greater purpose. That God has placed you there. And we need to be like David. We need to be faithful in the daily assignment. Faithful just carrying a happy meal to somebody. Faithful, just caring for a few sheep. And in the process, God will use you for a greater purpose and a greater assignment. We ought to be faithful in the daily assignment. Go over and beyond like David did. Step up when nobody else is willing to do it. Have you got it? Say, I got it. The next conversation David has is with his brother Eliab. Really all the brothers and soldiers, but Eliab is the one that we see speaking up here. David left his supplies in the care of the quartermaster. He ran to the battle line, and when he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were. Of course, his brothers are soldiers, right? So David spoke to the men who were standing with him. What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, remember, he said, what will be done? Um, He had overheard those soldiers talking that the king will give riches and his daughter in marriage and exempt that person's family from paying taxes if they would go fight Goliath. And so in verse 28, David's older brother, Eliab, speaks up. He's been listening to David talking with his brothers and the men. And he became angry with him. He said, why do you, look how personal this is, why do you come down here? Why did you leave those few sheep? It says, I know your arrogance and your evil heart. You came down here just to see the battle. It was very personal. Let me just tell you, there are going to be those out there that will personally attack you. It may come from family. It may come from people you thought were your friends. His own brothers are attacking him. And, and, and look at how they talked about the few sheep as if that was not an important responsibility that a shepherd has. 
And I tell you, the devil will come to you and say, you know what? It's really not that important what you're doing, shepherding that small group or shepherding a, a one of our multi-sites or campuses. Or I may be talking to some, some pastor of a small church somewhere, and the devil's got you thinking that, that that's not significant. Let me tell you, every church I ever went to, uh, I started out, it, the first church where Tammy and I met, 80, 80. Uh, the next church, 196. And, and even, I, I'm just telling you, if you walk in today and see this worship center at Hampton, you forget it used to be a gravel parking lot. And you forget there wasn't any multi-sites. And we forget where we came from. Am I telling the truth or not? And so I want you to know, we wouldn't be where we are today if we hadn't been faithful back then. If you're faithful in a few things, God will give you much. And God's doing more than you see with the eye. They will mock you, make fun of you. They will cancel you, put you down. Booker T. Washington said this, you measure a man's greatness, not in the position he's achieved, but in the number of obstacles he had to overcome. That's good. Well, there's a third conversation. There, there's five I've got to get to, so listen quickly, all right? Now he talks to Saul. Pick up in verse 38. Then Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put a bronze helmet on David's head. He, he put on his armor. David strapped his sword on over the military clothes, and he tried to walk, but he was not used to them. He said, I can't walk in these. David said, I'm not used to them. So David took them off, and instead, he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones. There's your title. From the wadi, it just means a little brook that's kind of dried up. In other words, he could see all the rocks, and he could choose exactly the five stones he wanted. And he put them in the pouch, in his shepherd's bag, and then with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Number three, David had a conversation with Saul. He said, I'll go fight him. And Saul said, you can't go. You're just a teenager. You're just a youth. This guy is a, a veteran warrior, and, and he will wipe you out. And, and so we read right here, Saul said, okay, if you're going to go, go, but here, take my armor. And, of course, he put it on, and it was too big for him. Now, let me just point out to you this. I know how David felt. My football career started in the 10th grade and then ended in the 10th grade. <laughs> I never played football. Uh, Pony League, Little League, I, I, I never played. I didn't have a clue. I'm a lot better fan than I am a player. And so in the 10th grade, I decided to go out. I weighed 145 pounds soaking wet. My glasses, I wore glasses since the third grade. And I'm telling you, my glasses weighed more than I did. I got in there late. It was spring practice, very first day. I got the leftovers. I went in there and I tried to find me some pants and they were way too big and I cinched them up and tied them up. I tried to find the pads that go down there. No two pads the same size. I didn't have any of the right equipment on. I found a helmet that was two times too big. Had an old, dirty, chewed up mouthpiece in it. I didn't know that you could get a new mouthpiece. I put that dirty thing in my mouth. I went out there, and we were lining up for drills, and I'll never forget it. I, everybody's looking to see who they're going to get. And all of a sudden, when it was my turn, I realized I was going to get a champion. Uh, I mean, first-string starter, senior named Bull. That was his name. 
And of course, the coach looked at me, and you could hear the team laughing when I got up to bull. It was my very first, very first play in a practice football. Coaches tell me, it's your forearm strength. It's your forearm strength. Man, you just got to lift him up, lift him up. The problem is when Bull went down, he was as wide as he was tall. And when he went over, his chest hit the ground. And I'm telling you, Bull knocked me into the next county. <laughs> the team was laughing just like you're laughing. And I had that big old helmet on and it turned around. And when it did, I'm looking out of that hole on the side. I think I'm blind in one eye. You can't wear somebody else's armor. It wasn't my armor. And, and that, I'm just telling you, the end of my career was that year. I didn't play another year after that. And I want you to know, seriously, you can't use somebody else's talent, somebody else's gift, somebody else's character, somebody else's faith. Oh, but listen, you can use what God gave you. Now, Bull was a great lineman, and Bull went on to play beyond high school. But you know what? That wasn't God's plan for my life. And, and, and so I want you to know, you got to use what's in your hand and use the gifts that God has given to you. Are y'all getting anything out of this sermon? And so I want you to please understand that while David was bored out there in the shepherd's field. He'd been practicing. Your mom was right. Your dad was right. Your coach was right. Practice makes perfect. And he'd taken that sling all, all those days. He's just bored. And he, he's just aiming at something. And he's letting that rock fly until he could hit it. And, and, and then you're going to find out in a moment that he was trained and prepared. And you know what? You may not can preach like me or one of the other pastors. You may not can sing like somebody on the praise team, you may not play an instrument, but God's gifted you to do something. And God may not called you to full-time ministry, but I tell you, he's put you in the marketplace. He's given you uh, business sense. He's given you the ability to make money. God's gifted you to do something. Use what's in your hand. God's given you everything that you need to be who he wants you to be and overcome what he wants you to overcome. Two questions, and I'm gonna move on. How has God equipped you for the season you're in right now? How's God equipped you for the season you're in right now? Number two, what can you use from your past to serve God in the present? Saul-like leaders will not give us the victory. Only King Jesus can help you fight the good fight of faith. Here it is. He had another conversation. This time David has a conversation with Goliath. Look at verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name. Everybody say the name. The name of the Lord of armies. That's how you fight your battle spiritually. The name of God is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and we're safe. There are different names of God in the Bible that we use at different times when you're battling different giants. And this one, the name of armies means the Lord of hosts. In other words, the armies of heaven that are with me are more than are with them. The God of the ranks of Israel, you've defied him. Today, the Lord will hand you over to me. Today, I'll strike you down, remove your head, and give the 
corpses of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. Does he sound intimidated right here? No. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. And he'll hand you over to us. And when the Philistines started forward to him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet him. Oh, there's so much in this story. Listen, he wasn't on the defensive. He's on the offensive. He ran to the battle line. The armor of God. Go read it. There's not anything to cover your flank. Not anything to cover your backside. We're to be on the offense. When Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail, it says gates don't move toward us. We move toward them. I'm telling you, Israel faced a giant they could not defeat in their own strength. So I ask you, what are the giants in your life? I heard the story about a man. He was hurting all over. He, he went to the doctor and said, Doctor, when I do this, he said, my head hurts, my arm hurts. He said, my, my leg hurts. I think I'm dying. Well, the doctor examined him and he said, I got good news and bad news. He said, the good news is you're not dying. The bad news is you have one thing wrong, a broken finger. So I want to ask you, what's the one thing? Everybody say one thing. What's the one thing, the one challenge, the one giant, the one problem, the one pain that looms large in your life? The Bible says day after day for 40 days. Verse 16 says, every morning and every evening, Goliath came out. You do the math, 40 days, morning and night. That's 80 times. So what is it that over and over again you keep battling? Day and night, you continue to struggle with. I had the privilege of baptizing a lady the other day uh, on Wednesday in the middle of the week. And her story's like many. She said, uh, during COVID, I battled with depression. And it was during COVID, I, I started watching you online. And now I'm at one of the campuses and God's done such a work in my life. I just wanted to put down a stone of remembrance and I wanted to come and meet you in person. And, and with these hands, I had the privilege of baptizing her on Wednesday in the middle of the week. And I'm telling you, that, that, that's it. Some of you, you've struggled over and over again with something and God's given you victory. And, and, and you need to put down a stone of remembrance. Well, I want you to see here while they were busy looking at Goliath, they fail to look at God. Don't look at the size of your problem, your giant. Look at the size of your God. And I want you to know our giants are not people. Everybody look to your left and look to your right. You know what you're looking at? Flesh and blood. And the Bible plainly says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we do have giants, real giants. Pet sins, habits, disease, sickness, depression, the lies of Satan, intimidation, fear, but don't miss it. This is the way he won the battle. David had a conversation with God. Everybody look at, look at the person next to you and say, it's about to get good. He had a conversation with God, and this is the one that counts. Look at verse 34. David answered Saul, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion and a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it. I struck it down, and I rescued the lamb from its mouth. And if it reared up its head against me, I would grab it by the fur, strike it down, and kill it. Your servants kill lions and bears. This, and this is the second time he said it. 
Now, there is a principle in hermeneutics, the interpretation of Scripture, that says, look for repeated words or phrases. And twice, verse 26 and 36, he says, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he's defied the armies of the living, everybody say it, God, the living God. Then David said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and may what? The Lord, not the force be with you, the Lord be with you. I'm telling you, it was his conversation with God, his relationship with the Lord that won the battle. Don't miss it. He got five stones, but he only needed one. Five stones, but one dealt the death blow to Goliath. All those lonely days out in the shepherd's field, lonely nights. Listen, while he was tending the sheep, he was talking to the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And I'm telling you, he had been in that valley. He had learned to walk by faith and not by sight. He had killed a lion and a bear. When it was just him and God, he didn't have an army behind him to back him up. It was just he and God. And I tell you, after he got to where he could hit certain things, he knew he could kill an animal. And he finally killed a lion and a bear. And his theme song was, Another One Bites the Dust. And all those smaller battles were just preparing him for a bigger battle one day. I told you in verse 26 and 36, he calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. Anytime you see something repeated in the Bible, find out what it's there for. You see, when everybody else was saying that Goliath's too big to hit, David said he's too big to miss. It's a matter of perspective. He knew he was an uncircumcised Philistine. You know what that means? When everybody else was looking up at Goliath, David was looking down. Some of y'all get that later. And David said he's not under the covenant. Because circumcision, get this now, was an outward sign of the covenant of God. Today in the New Testament, here it is, baptism. That's why we talk so much about baptism. It is an outward sign of an inward experience. And so I want you to know that David remembered what Saul and the army forgot. That guy's not under the covenant. He doesn't have the blessing of God. He doesn't have the favor of God. He doesn't have the protection of God. I don't care how big he is. My God's bigger. And so I want you to see exactly what David saw here. So many people think the battle is the Lord's and you don't have to do anything. Listen to me in Romans 8 and Colossians 3. The Bible says, yes, the battle is the Lord's, but God has given us his spirit for you to take an active role in your freedom. You know how free you are in Christ today? As free as you are putting into practice the victory he has given us. Uh, here's what I mean by that. God's not just going to do it for you. He's going to do it in you. And, and so, yes, David was trusting God, but don't miss it. While he's trusting God, he's down at the stream getting five rocks. And while he's trusting God, he's got a sling in his hand. And while he's trusting God, he's running his hand down in that shepherd's bag, getting the right one for that moment. 
And while he's trusting God, he's in motion, swinging. And while he's trusting God, he hit that guy right there between the eyes. There's always God's part and your part. Trusting God doesn't mean that you sit around and just do nothing and wait on God. No, you actively take aim. And you actively let that rock fly. And then when you've knocked him down, don't gloat. Because David could have just been gloating and all of a sudden Goliath come too. No, you better go cut that head off. And he didn't have a sword to do it, so he used, listen, the enemy's own weapon against him. And so I don't know where I'm in in my notes, but I'm telling you the bottom line is this. The story of David and Goliath is not about pull for the underdog. I just proved to you David never once felt like the underdog in this story. He knew he had God on his side. And I'm telling you, when you understand, listen, when you, when you have followed Christ, you've been baptized, you're walking with him, you're in the word, you're applying the word, you're letting the spirit of God work in you. Woo, I'm just telling you, you know you've got the victory. You got the upper hand. And, and so I, I, I want you to get this now. He wasn't the underdog at all. It's not about the bigger they are, the harder they fall. No, it's all about Jesus. And what I want you to see is David's name means beloved. And the Father sent Jesus on an assignment to seek and save the lost, to destroy the works of the devil. And I want you to know, the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well placed. Both Jesus and David were from Bethlehem. You see, Jesus is the greater son of David. He's going to sit on his father David's throne. He came to his, his brothers. He came into his own and his own received him not. Just like alive. He went to King Saul. David did. But he couldn't listen to him. And I want you to know Jesus stood before King Herod. And before Pilate. And yet he opened not his mouth. And just like David ran. Get this. Ran to the battle line. Jesus set his face like a flint. And even with the disciples saying, never, never, trying to talk him out of it. He said, my hour has come and I'm going to the cross. And I want you to get this. Jesus took the devil's own weapon of death, the grave. And he crushed the serpent's head. And that's what Easter's all about. Hallelujah. So I want you to get this. Five Stones, five conversations. But don't miss it. That's the last thing God showed me even early this morning. He had five conversations, but he only listened to two. He listened to his father and he listened to God. He did not listen to his brothers and the soldiers. He did not listen to Goliath. He did not listen to Saul. And every day you got voices shouting at you. Every day you have conversations. And you've got to have discernment. Are you listening? discernment who do you listen to if he'd listened to Goliath and Saul and his brothers that had never been a victory you make wrong choices when you listen to wrong voices I'm telling you the voice you've got to listen to is the voice of God do you have a conversation with God every day do you have a relationship with the Lord 
I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Right where you are. I want to invite you. Just have a conversation with God. Pray something like this. God, I know I'm a sinner. I can't win this battle on my own. But I believe Jesus, you lived a perfect life that I can't live. Died on the cross to pay for all my sins, past, present, and future. And that you were buried and rose from the dead to give me life. Life eternal and life abundant. Give me the victory over the giants in my life. And help me to please you and have the favor and blessing of God on my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Come on, put your hands together and rejoice with those who prayed that prayer. And I want you to text yes if you're following us online to 40371 if you prayed that prayer. Many of you need to follow in believers' baptism, the sign of the new covenant. Baptism. I want you to do it between now and Easter Sunday. What better day than Easter Sunday even? It's a picture of his death, burial, and resurrection in your behalf. Just text BAPTIZED to 40371. If you're at a campus, you can fill out the red card, take it to the Next Step Center. Everybody stand. We're going to pray. The altar is going to be open. You respond as God speaks to you today. Father, as best I know how, I preach this word, and I thank you for the way it's spoken to my own heart and life. Now, Lord, give us victory over the giants. God, show us what the giants are. It may be bitterness or resentment or jealousy or envy, uh, unforgiveness. Lord, I don't know what the giants are, but, Lord, you do, and I pray you give us the victory over those giants. And I pray that you'd hear the prayers of your children as we come to the altar and as we pray. And, God, I ask that we would build our lives on the rock of ages. Christ, the solid rock. Jesus, the cornerstone. Oh God, I pray for discernment. Help us to listen to your voice. To be able to disregard and not be distracted by the other voices. And I pray that we would follow our Father, our Heavenly Father, and that you would give us the victory. Now minister by your Spirit to your children. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.